0: You busy? Mm Mm-mm Okay, let me run something past you real quick Had a eureka moment Mm Mm-hmm, sure did Uh, Let's just jump right into it Because I don't have time to kind of give you the crawl up to the plot So today, uh, I was in an interview But on the other side of that I was actually on an interview panel (laughs) Your girl making like low-key decisions or whatever for people's employment But listen, let's keep calm so it was a panel of myself and three other people one happened to be the hr manager that we have been discussing yes yes we're going to discuss her just one more time because listen although very very irritating although the gnat in my picnic she is providing some very very i'm um, the catalyst for all of our last couple of convos has been sparked by her so listen thank god for judas you understand Like, if you're going to be here, I might as well just use you as my prop in this chapter of my life. You understand? So, resume. On the interview panel, uh, and this particular person, we have already confirmed that this person is not direct, right? The HR manager. That any time that we have a conversation with her, she is never forthcoming. She is a gossip. She is a whisperer. She is a strife starter. And so now that we know the characteristics of said person, we see everything through that lens of, like, I know who you are. Like, I have x-ray vision. Once I'm able to identify your characteristics, I see through you. And so indirectly speaking to me, she tells the interviewee that is there, in order to work here, you know, you can't be sensitive to work here. Uh, you know, we have a couple of co-workers, you know, I get sensitive sometimes, too. But, you know, to be here, you can't be sensitive. And that echoed in my mind long after she said that, because that's not the first time that she said that. And so I thought to myself, I said, you know, how disheartening that you decided your level of unprofessionalism and how you speak with someone and how you deal with someone, you're just going to just disregard your accountability on that and just go ahead and stamp it that the other person is insensitive or sensitive rather. Like literally today, she told a coworker of mine that is an older gentleman. He's in retirement. He's already, you know, just scraping up the side money just to go ahead and just establish whatever after retirement and all of that. And he let her know, hey, taking my mom to the doctor, he leaves about an hour or so early, you know, give or take maybe two two days out the week. And her response back to him is, well, mama's going to have to find somebody else to start taking her. And I think that she takes those little air pockets of, you know, being vocal and a little air pocket times that she can be brave as quote unquote playing if it's taken out of turn. And then instead of being accountable to what was said, she coins it as you're being too sensitive. So I was like, you know what, that, that, that did something to me. And then it just so happened that I'm reading in King, uh, First Kings, about Solomon. So I was like, you know what, let me just go ahead and just read from that. So first Kings three says, and this is Solomon speaking to God, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well, and know the difference between right and wrong for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. I'm going to read that again because that echoes and when I say it it just it gives me such peace like literally real time peace first king 3 chapter 3 verse 9 and this is the NOT version give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours oh my gosh if people in leadership and authoritative positions were able to grasp onto this now I understand why Solomon was deemed one of the most wisest ever because that selflessness that posture of selflessness like God I can't do it all by myself give me a different kind of heart give me a heart that's understanding this man asked for an understanding heart he didn't ask to be more logical he didn't ask to be a great thinker he didn't ask to go ahead and be great at math he didn't say you know what give me all the different secrets of the world that's going to make me crack the code and just have people you know lenient on me all the time he didn't ask to be in his day the Bill Gates of all things Gates he didn't ask to come up with a billion dollar idea so that his family is well off he didn't ask for anything that would have bettered him He asked for something that would have helped him be a better leader. Give me an understanding heart. My gosh, how would we benefit from that? If people were to really start, you know what, I don't, I may not know it all. This man said, give me an understanding heart so that I may know the difference between right and wrong, which means that, listen, right or wrong is a perspective thing. You know the world calls what the world calls bad sometimes is good on some type of type of generation. You know, if it's Generation X or Generation Zen or the you know the baby boomers, whatever. You can go to different generations and keep that same whatever. You can say, hey, how do you feel about skirts above the knee? Depending on the generation, it will be considered bad, but we look at it like it's good, and the, so you understand, good and bad is perspective based upon what your operating system is. Hmm, you know what I mean by operating system? Meaning if you're, if your inner wiring, your inner soul is set to secular or if it's a spiritual setting. Because something could be good to the world, but you know that it's not good for your spiritual walk. And let that mean what it needs to mean to you. And so I love the fact, going back to Solomon, that he was able to ask for an understanding heart. We already know that the natural wiring of a man is not to be compassionate, not saying that there are not compassionate men, but men are more logical, you know, not all of them, you know, let's just, you understand what I'm trying to, okay, so men are more logical. I would have, I wouldn't have been so shocked if this was a woman saying this. Give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people, you know, because women really want to do a good job and they do it from their heart. And, you know, depending on on your wiring or you, you, you automatically bring that nurturing aspect to wherever you're at. This is this makes me look at Solomon with a whole new level of respect. I'm like, man, what if you would have brought that kind of thing to your job? If in leadership or not, you ask, God, give me an understanding heart so I can know right from wrong, so that what you may deem playing HR manager, you can see, you know what, that may not be playful to somebody. That may be hurtful. What you call playful may be hurtful to someone else. What if you're placed in employment that you really understood the, the love that a son has for his mother, that until her last breath, until Jesus brings her home, he wants to make sure all that you poured into me, you ain't ever going to have to worry about anything. I will leave a job. I will drive you to whomever, wherever. As long as I'm breathing and you breathing, you got me. What if you didn't really understand that because this particular HR manager has girls? Maybe it's a different love between this particular son and his mother, but you wouldn't be able to understand that. You wouldn't be able to understand that your comment is bad. You wouldn't be able to understand that, but I guarantee that's because she's not opt- from an understanding heart because with an understanding heart comes an understanding perspective where you can say in and of myself I don't understand that but God if you can give, just give me the insight to sit in this seat of power and to use it with compassion that if you can allow me to go ahead and touch people's lives in a way that nobody else could that anybody could feel this seat god but because you aligned it and blessed me to sit here i want to make sure i do right by your people because who can govern people that i never lived with who can govern people that i i don't have a history with who can govern people that come from all walks of life but this particular job is, is bringing us all together how can i govern someone that i don't know outside of these four walls that's wisdom what if you had that kind of boss? What if you were that kind of boss? What if you was that type of employee? Where you saw your coworker really, really bogged down and you were like, mm, you notice a different change and you know it looks like it's a little bit more static than there is program picture on that particular television. So you're like, you know what, what can I do to help you? You know what, I got you for lunch. Hey, let me go over ahead and just encourage you real quick, make you laugh, share something funny that's appropriate in the work setting. Because if you understood what somebody was going through, then maybe you would get a different perspective about them. Maybe you wouldn't look at them like, oh, she got an attitude. She always me. You know what? He don't really be saying nothing. He's kind of snappy in the morning. Maybe you don't know what people go through when they go home. And although it's not your job to figure it out, maybe if you just ask God with that particular relationship, with that, at, at the place of employment, if you can just give me an understanding heart so that I would know right and wrong that I would know good and bad, that I would know proper timing, when to speak, when not to speak, that I won't go ahead and impress upon with my words on a wound that I didn't even know they were still bleeding from. What if you did that? Man, how much better your work relationships would be and probably how much better you would feel. It would just feel lighter. What if you did that in your personal relationships? That you were like, you know what? outside of what you tell me I don't, I'm don't. i not God I don't know what you feel all the time I don't know what you're thinking all the time I don't know what you're up against I don't know but you know what the things that you do bring to me if it's a problem and it's within my power then you don't have to worry about it being a problem anymore what if we really took the stance of even if I don't understand it fully if you brought it to my attention it will no longer be a problem because everyone's love language is different. And thank God that we live in an era where we can Google certain things. And, you know, what's the five love languages? and You know, how do I order it? Oh, okay, I like to be loved this way. And, yeah, it gives us a little syllabus on how to deal with people. But you know what the best teacher is for loving someone themselves? They can tell you, hey, that doesn't work for me. And instead, A, B, and C. I don't care if you read 50 million testimonies from 50 million other relationships the best advice comes from the person that you're sitting across that you're standing side by side with that you're walking and journeying with and sometimes the person may not know and that's okay too as long as they're willing to know that part of themselves, you can just bring to the intention like, you know what? You seem irritable or down or whatever the emotion is in this area. And even if you can't put words to it right now, can I just let you know that when you do, I'm here and I'm willing to adjust anything I need to adjust to make this journey more comfortable for you. Like I need you to be a stewardess when it comes to your relationships. Stewardess, what do they do? They go around, and like, you need a pillow? You need you want some drinks? You want some peanuts? You want some, you know, in the older than days, I'm thinking about the good days when you was able to travel and not have any kind of concerns about anything. I'm thinking about my one particular trip. I was like, ma'am, if I could take you home, I would pay you. Like, you just like... I'm like can I have a blanket sure <laughs> can I have this sure and you know what it probably was an inconvenience to her slightly to be like bro I don't want to walk up and down you know how many is on this uh plane it's like 30 something plus plus. and here you are raising your hand talking about you cold okay like you should have known you were coming to a plane everybody knows that the temperature in a plane is not consistent why didn't you double up and put a hoodie on why didn't you it wasn't anything that projected back like how come you didn't do something it was what can I do to make this better for you why do we only experience that outside of the relationships that mean the most to us you see what I'm saying like we got to change that narrative have an understanding perspective nowhere else would we pay for a service where we we went to a restaurant and said hey um this drink is flat well what did you eat before that I mean, maybe it's what you drunk before you came here or I don't know what you brush your teeth with, but maybe the taste buds is clashing with our drink. You wouldn't pay for that service. What does a good waitress or waiter do? Oh, really? Let me get that for you. No problem. Do you want me to try it again or you want to try something else? So if you wouldn't pay for that type of service, then why do you pay attention to that in your relationships? I'm not paying attention to anyone that doesn't want to serve me. And that's because it should be a mutual reciprocated understanding in your relationships that we serve one another. That way, nobody starves. That way, nobody goes hungry. That way, no one has a wandering eye. If your heart is not set on greed, if you are being served, there's no reason to look nowhere else. Hmm. Yeah, catch that because that was, listen, let the Holy Spirit do what he does. What if we did that with family? where we just automatically just feel like I'm going to take my emotions and I'm going to feel a certain way and I'm never going to get clarity and I'm not going to ask the hard questions and I'm not going to sit down and have the tough conversations that's going to go ahead and clear this room that has been fumigated for however many months, however many years, that we're going to clear this up. We're going to start cracking some windows. We're going to do the hard work now so we can get some clarity continuing on later in our relationship. I don't know why it is that the number one poisonous situation, especially in in family, the most poisonous ingredient is silence. Why won't you talk? Why won't you say something? Why is it okay to just go ahead and take your football of assumptions and go ahead and do a touchdown? And nobody's even chasing you. Did you stop to look behind you and say, wait, this may be off. I may be wrong. I may have a different perspective. Let me ask this person, how come this, this, and this is happening? I remember when my cousin asked, she was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. The family was mad at you when you didn't invite nobody to the wedding. Like if it was a money thing, which you should have done was um you should have just said hey you know y'all have to play for your place and she gave me all these different I assumingly they was talking about this I guess it was clear she gave me a couple of points you know a couple of suggestions she threw a couple of things in the suggestion box and when she was done I heard her through and through and I stopped her and I said no it wasn't money I didn't invite them because I didn't want to I love my family. But my wedding had a certain vibe and objective to it. My husband and I wanted a very small wedding with people that we feel like were monumental to our growth and development of the adults that we were standing at that altar to that day. And there are some people that crossed paths with us that it was like, man, if God didn't use you to do A, B and C, I don't know where I would have been. If God didn't bring you to encourage me that one time, if God didn't bring you to make me see things differently, my life changed. We wanted life changing experiences connected to people so that when we look back on pictures, when we look back in, in the crowd, as we said, I do. We didn't want just family and friends that were regular and just, oh, you know, you're part of my family, so you just be there. We wanted. it an encountered experience where it was meaningful to us past the I do that for our reception instead of letting people give a toast we personalize each person and account it to each person and let them know you changed my life in this particular part of my journey and because you did a b and c and we kind of gave them their flowers so they can smell it right then and there that's what we wanted for our wedding so I apologize that it doesn't look like inviting aunts I haven't spoke to in a while, inviting uncles that don't even know my phone number and, oh, you don't want to forget your cousin Mumu and Ray Ray, and we didn't want that. And that's okay. And I apologize if anyone felt some kind of way, but guess what? Nobody said anything to me. No one said anything to me. My cousin and I had that conversation in passing. But you know what? An understanding perspective an understanding heart would have been, man, she didn't invite me? I don't. We don't have bad terms. Like last I know, it wasn't, no, she and I, we on good terms. I wonder what happened. Let me call her. Let me text her just to ask. We good? Like I'm not even going to bring up the wedding part because, you know, it is what it is. I'm not putting no money to it, so I can't tell nobody how to spend their money. You understand? But I, I do want, are we good? No, because I don't want the invite to be a reflection on our relationship. And I would have very much said, oh, no, we're absolutely good. But we really want to keep the number under 20. I get 10. He gets 10. And that number is really, really hard to fit in when, when when you just want to invite everybody. I have a big family. My grandma had nine kids who all had kids who all had kids. My husband and grandma had 12 kids who, I mean, literally, what you want, from the father's side or or, or the mother's side? Like, literally, we gang gang. Like, procreation was not a problem. We was not shy with throwing that thing in a circle. Okay? Okay. And so, yeah, it was a tough decision, but then we kept going back to what's the objective? That we want to give people the flowers that they deserve because I don't even think that those people knew how much they impacted us. And that's what we wanted. But you know what? There may be a relationship that is, you know, scarred because of that, but... It didn't have to be. I love my family. It would have never been no issue. <laughs> ask me. Ask me. And you would have known, oh, we're good. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just didn't want y'all to come all the way from New York to Georgia to literally spend uh, probably about two hours, give or take. And then my husband and I was running to the hills to make sure that we could uh, do that thing that we couldn't do while we were uh, not married, Okay. So no, it wouldn't have been no. Hey, can we see you? No, we're going right back to do what we need to do, 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 and then we're going to the honeymoon in the morning. Like so, to me, that was a lack of consideration. But what's the poisonous ingredient here, folks? Silence, assumption. It's always going to be the silent killer. What if you did that with your friends? That instead of just assuming such and such is acting different, I call her, she don't answer. You know, last time I texted him, it, now that I'm looking through my text thread, I feel like I'm always texting such and such. Such and such don't be ever texting me back. Like, what happened? Or don't text me first. Like, what happened? And now you're looking like, mm, you know what? I'm just in this season where I'm not really dealing with people like that. And if people are not matching my energy, matching my attempts, matching my fly, then you know what? Then I'm, mm-mm, I'm just going to go ahead and just be done. Or I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to start treating people the way that they treat me. And now you building up this whole entire case where it looks like, You don't even know if that person's going through something and just doesn't want to invite you to this portion of their story yet. Some people don't let you know, hey, going through something right now. Some people are the, yo, these last two months have been terrible. And then you feel like, why didn't you say nothing? Like I have a friend, God bless her. Love her to pieces, but she has already let me know. Listen, I don't do well with the phone to the point that if I lived in her state, I probably would do the same thing. But her kid's grandmother does drive-bys like, yo, y'all good? Because you're not answering my call. And she's like, yeah, everything's great. She, I cannot for the life of her. I wish I can shake her. She just, it's just not her thing. And you know what the understanding perspective was that I had to take? she is not as talkative as me she is not the mirror image of what i would have wanted with the telephone whatever but you know what she's valuable enough in my life to accept her wiring i don't want to change her i don't want she is valuable enough that you know what if that's your wiring and you're not ill-hearted or malicious in your intent then I accept that just can we talk once a month okay all right cool and and that's how you start to build an understanding heart an understanding perspective you know what a great example of it was and as I was thinking about this conversation I'm like mm, what can I kind of and I was like the man that that Jesus healed in Mark 8 Okay, so let's go to it real quick. So Mark 8, 22, Jesus heals the blind man, right? It says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. 23, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? Sort of like spiritual Verizon, right? (laughs) Okay, focus. 24. The man looked around. Yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. 25. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. And then it finishes off with 26. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. But here's my thing. Look at look at the perfection of that. Jesus asked the man his perspective. I did something being Jesus. Jesus did something that should have allowed the man to see. It should have just been a okay, quick. Uh, you should be good next because you you Jesus. You know you you're the Word made flesh. You're low key perfection walking on earth. There is no reason to ask somebody. Did my healing m- mythology work? There is no reason to question your power. Y- you know, there is no reason to go back and double back. But an understanding heart makes you say, you know what? Let me just confirm. Can you see anything now? And then the man in his truth was like, yeah, but not real clearly. It's, c- it's kind of sort of like trees. And the very next verse says, then Jesus placed his hand on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened his sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly no double back no you sure no rebuttal when you say trees you mean like what like palm or like oak like look over there okay stand up real quick all right stand while I'm at and then no trying to change his true perspective you said you can't see sir I did something that I thought would allow you to see, but no problem. We're going to do this thing again until we get it right. And then when it was, oh, snap, it was restored. You know what the powerful part of this is? The man didn't even have to say nothing to confirm it. I don't know if he blinked differently this time or was laughing and like oh, or looked around. The Bible doesn't indicate what the man's response was for Jesus to know that his sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. There was no there was no dialogue. But the fact that even Jesus' posture was, I could be wrong. I could do something probably a little bit better. I don't want to have a posture of assumption let me just ask you real quick. Yeah, I know that I'm perfect and I know that I'm literally the son of man. Like I I know who I am, but let me just go ahead and have a understanding perspective and ask you, can you see anything? Oh, you told me no. He didn't get upset. He didn't get touchy. He didn't get, well, 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 you know what? You should be grateful because before this you wasn't seeing nothing. So for you to be able to see trees, be grateful, sir. He didn't give any of that. It was just like, mm, let's do it again. Because what I intended wasn't executed. And so because the intent wasn't matched with the execution, let me fix that. Oh, how powerful. Do you see that? Like we miss stuff when we read it too fast. We're like, okay, he spit. Oh, why he spit? You know, you get caught up in the spit, but you don't get caught up in the position that Jesus took. Jesus asked someone, did I do it right? Essentially, right? Jesus asked someone, did it work for you? Wow. If Jesus has that posture, there's no reason why nobody else shouldn't have. And, you know, since I gave the perfect example of that, I want to give the poor example of that. I wanted to read about Hannah. You know, Hannah, the one that was crying to God and kind of asking him like, yo, you know, I want a baby real bad and the priest when she went to the the um i think it was the praying tower i believe offhand that the priest was like woman are you drunk and she was like "I'm just praying for a baby like i really need you to understand like matter of fact i'm not even gonna try to read this one this one i'm gonna let old buddy go ahead and read that's on my um and by buddy i mean the my bible app okay great um because there's some names in here that I'm like, you're not even ha- going to have me fumbling. But let me go ahead and let you hear this real quick. And then we're going to go ahead and show you how terrible this was.
1: The book of First Samuel, chapter 1. Elkanah and his family. There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zoph in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion Because the Lord had given her no children So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her Because the Lord had kept her from having children Year after year, it was the same Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask why aren't you eating why be downhearted just because you have no children you have me isn't that better than having 10 sons sir
0: you so lucky hand listen Mm. (laughs) sir this woman is feeling a lack of connection to her husband for several different reasons one she has not produced any children by him Two, she has to see someone else walk out something that she hasn't fulfilled yet, and it's her heart's desire. And she was vulnerable enough to go ahead and cry in front of him. And his response to her was, why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? oh my goodness you know what hannah i I hope god gave you an extremely big mansion for not killing this dude after that even though i don't believe in murder but it could have possibly been okay i don't know how that worked in your time maybe you could have just sacrificed the dove and said sorry god six times i don't know how that worked but real talk wow this man doesn't know a mother's instinct to want to have children this man doesn't know the torture of being at a time where you gotta have, you can have more than one wife, and she and seeing that y'all playing this little game that mm, you only get one portion, but she get all the portions because she has more kids by me. Like that emotional turmoil. Let me explain something to you. Emotional turmoil is more toxic than any marathon that you could ever run you will feel zapped your body will feel zapped when you're dealing with something emotionally and there's no resolved what do you mean why am i crying and how dare you reduce my motherly instinct my inclination to want to be a mother and then try to flip it to well you have me that should be better than having 10 of these sons are you serious that boys and girls is a terrible reflection of what not to do. That is what a non-understanding heart and perspective looks like. So I want to challenge you. Okay, great. Because I don't even want to get my pressure any higher because I can't even, like for Buddy to even open his mouth, his mouth to say that, would have been A, slap faced. it. B, he would have got red for free filth and then see you know what it's probably you sir i maybe maybe your little soldiers don't swim right in my pool maybe i need to go step out and do something different but you know what shouts out to hannah for not being in the 2000 anythings because i don't really think that would have worked out for old buddy saying that like that i don't really know like you and your other wife could get it sir it's how that would have worked out now but i digress you see what i'm saying I want to challenge you. What is the posture of your current perspective? What is it? In any of the examples that I give, did you say, man, you know what? Uh, I think that I'm a little bit on the selfish side. Yeah, I think that I have been mm, not so understanding. That I think that I could not only benefit from receiving, but I could also benefit from giving out this new, profound, wise prayer of give me an understanding heart. My challenge to you is to go back and really, really um, make First Kings 3, verse 9, to make that your life mantra, and if nothing else, just that first sentence. Give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. And you can change the govern. Give me an understanding heart so that I can raise these children well and know the difference between right and wrong. Give me an understanding so that I can be a great wife and, and wife well, so that I can husband well, so that I can be a great employee, so that I can be a great boss so that this entrepreneurial lane doesn't just look like somebody else who wanted to be bossy, just got their own business. Change it, modify it, but get the principle from it and apply it. You see what I'm saying? All right. Listen, I feel like you got what you needed. You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to give you, okay? Because ain't nobody going to give it to you real deal, Holyfield, outside of your girl, your favorite homegirl. You understand? But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Um, we got something else to talk about. I'm probably going to try not to talk about the same person, that the name we don't speak of. But you know what? If it's going to produce great combos, we might as well just go ahead and use that particular prop for this particular section of our story. Yes? All right. (laughs) I'll talk to you later. Later.